Well, it's good to see you this morning. Uh, and I am glad, as Brother Kevin mentioned, that you uh, set your clock ahead. You made it. There might be somebody strolling in here at about 5 till 11. And uh, we'll just say, man, we had a good service and you missed it. And, uh, but I'm glad you made it. I know about the first year Don and I moved here on the fall back when we got here at 730 in the morning. And uh, we pulled in and there was nobody here. I thought, man, the rapture took place. We got a lift. But we pulled in and I said, oh, no, we forgot to set our class. So we just went and got breakfast. It worked out beautifully, you know. So, but I'm glad you made it on time. I want you to take your Bibles. Turn to the book of Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. I'm actually going to speak on this topic this morning, prayer from a prison. I'm going to talk about prayer. And we're going to read Colossians 4 verses 1 through 6. And we'll start right there, and this is, has to do with Paul being in prison. I'll give you a little background here after we read the scripture. So let's read Colossians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. And uh, if you've got your Bible or you can follow along on the screen with me, okay? This is what it says. It says, Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Now let me give you a little background here. Paul is in prison, as Paul was in prison several times. And it's interesting that Paul doesn't say in, in these verses, and would you also pray that I can get out of prison? He actually takes the thing as God's will and says, I'm here in prison. I need to know, pray that I'll know how to speak. What can I say to these people around me that I can present this mystery, this gospel of Jesus Christ to them? Now, this is about 60 A.D., and Jesus Christ was crucified, we believe, somewhere around 33 A.D. So this is about 27 years after the crucifixion, which might seem like a long time, but the crucifixion and the resurrection 27 years ago, but those of us that are older know how it goes by just like that. And 27 years to you young people seems like a long time, but to us that are older, it's like that just wasn't that long ago, you know? So this church in Colossae, an, an interesting thing is this, Paul never was at this church. You know, Paul started a lot of churches, but he was never at this church. And what happened is Paul is in prison and there's this man named Epaphras. Epaphras was probably the leader of the church at Colossae. And so he goes to Paul and he gets there at the prison. He says, I've come to visit you. I've got some things I need to tell you. I need some, some help and some counsel on this. And so Paul says this, let me write a letter, which is the book of Colossians, and you take it back to this church and read it to this church and they'll understand what we're talking about and way, the way it's supposed to be. So that's exactly what he does. And so Paul's letter to the Colossians states that Jesus Christ is the creator and the redeemer. The reason there's such a big emphasis on that is because one of the things that was going on in this church was some dangerous teaching had come in saying this, that Jesus Christ was not God. Now if you take that out, you've just taken all of the gospel out. You've taken the resurrection, the crucifixion means nothing if Jesus wasn't God. So that's how important it is for him to take this letter back to show that Jesus Christ is God. He's the creator. He is the redeemer. And then at the end of what we read here, he gives some closing instructions and he says this, they need to know to pray. And that's what we're going to talk about. Now, 
prayer is a, a, I would say, like a gift from God that's been given to us that we can actually speak and talk to God person to person. Just think about that. That I can speak to God and He listens to me. Among millions and billions on the earth, He listens to my prayer to Him. It's an amazing thing that God would even listen to our prayers, but He does. Someone said this, The greatest tragedy of life is not unanswered prayers, but unoffered prayers. It's not that the prayers were not answered by God, it was that they weren't offered by His children. And so, a lot of times, prayer ends up being only in an emergency situation. You know, it's kind of like the box, that glass box on the wall that says, break in case of emergency. And it ends up being where the only time I really, really get serious about prayer is when I got this serious situation and I don't know what's going to happen. Or this, this has happened in my life and so I really need God now to bail me out or help me with this. And it becomes nothing but an emergency thing. And Paul is saying that's not what it's supposed to be. I read a story uh, this past week about a guy who was a pilot and he actually had his own small plane. I don't know about you, but I don't like, I've never been up in one of those small ones and I never want to, you know, I, I'm, I'm scared of them. But this guy was flying from one place to the other in a small plane and he got about 30 miles from the airport and ran out of fuel. So he calls and he says, pilot to tower, pilot to tower. He says, I'm, I'm 30 miles from the airport, I've run out of fuel. He said, I'm at 600 feet in the air and I'm declining rapidly. Please advise. Over. A few seconds later, it comes back and says, Tower to pilot. Tower to pilot. Repeat after me. Our Father, who art in heaven. Because <laughs> that's about all he had for him right there, you know. He was in trouble. Now, a lot of times we say, well, prayer is just, you know, when I really, really, really need God. No, no. Prayer is a lifestyle, really. For the Christian, prayer should be an everyday thing. And so today we're going to look at prayer and uh, the plea of one of the disciples. In Luke chapter 11, one of the disciples comes to Jesus and look what he says in verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. After this is when Jesus gives that our Father who art in heaven, a lot, a lot of times called the Lord's Prayer or, or the model prayer, I would say is what it really is. If you... Look in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You will never find where the disciples come to Jesus and say, Lord, teach us how to be a better teacher. Teach us how to witness or do miracles like you do. Teach us how to do this. But they do say, teach us how to pray. So today, let's look at, first of all, some principles of prayer. We often think as prayer as an outlet of expressing to God what we need or our cry to God for help. But prayer is this. Think about this. Prayer is actually the asking of God to fulfill His will on the earth. God's thoughts on prayer is not letting us have all the things we want. I mean, just think about it. If God gave you everything you had asked for, your life would probably be a wreck. Mine would be too. It's a lot of times it's a good thing He said, no, you're not getting that. That would mess your life up. So it's not this thing of where God's going to answer all my prayers and fulfill all my dreams and desires. It's actually God fulfilling His will on this earth through us praying to Him. Now, it doesn't mean we don't ask for God to give us things or help us or these needs. He wants us to bring those to Him. But it's fulfilling His will and not our will. So true prayer is hard work. True prayer is really hard work. It's like a self-denying work. For you to pray for 
all of these other people's needs or desires or helps is hard work. It's hard work. For you to pray for God to do His will on this earth can be hard work. And Matthew 7 and verse 7 and 8 says this about God works with a specific law and principle. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For he says this, for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks find and to the one who knocks it will be opened. God never acts carelessly with our prayers. He takes my prayers seriously. He takes my prayer seriously. Someone gave these four quick steps of God in prayer. Let me just list them to you. God has a thought on the matter. When I pray something to God, God's got a thought on it. He's got a will on it. And so he has a thought on it. Secondly, God reveals his will to his children through the Holy Spirit, causing us to know his plan, a demand, or an expectation. God answers prayer. Number three, God's children return his will by praying to him for his will to be done. Here's a great verse that you probably know. Psalm 37, 4 says this. He says, delight yourself in the Lord. And here's the promise. He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, many times I think we love that last part. God, please give me the desires of my heart. But there's a, there's a, a specification there on the beginning of it where he says this. Delight yourself in the Lord. Because here's what it is. When I'm delighting myself in the Lord, I really want God's will in my life. I really want God to do what He wants to do instead of what I want to do. So when I'm delighting myself and I'm following Him, here's what happens. It's a great thing. My desires and God's desires become the same thing. It's an amazing thing. Because I'm delighting in Him and I'm saying, God, whatever you want in my life, that's what I want because I know that's what's best. And so our desires become the same when we delight ourselves in the Lord. And then he says this, He will give you the desires of your heart. So what happens is this, my desires, God's desires are the same, and He gives it to me. It's an awesome thought. You see, the key to the verse is delighting in the Lord. God will do this very thing. Jesus prayed many times in, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. This is what He prays. He says, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. You see, what happened there is this delighting. Jesus came to this earth to do the will of the Father. And he's delighting himself in what the Father wants. He constantly was saying, Father, what do you want me to do? And so his delight in the Father became the same thing that the Father wanted. So when Jesus says, let this cup pass from me, but not what I want, but what you want, that's what I'll do. That's what I want to do. His will became the same. Second of all, not only pray uh, the principles of prayer, but pray with persistence. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, we read where it said, Continue steadfastly in prayer. I know a lady who for 14 years, she prayed for her husband to be saved. She never quit for him to be saved until he got saved. Some of you might have that same situation where you're praying for someone to be saved, a relative or a friend. Don't quit. Don't quit. Be persistent with it. Keep asking. Keep asking. You see, Jesus gave this Lord's Prayer to the disciples, and then he says this, be persistent in it. Be persistent. In Luke chapter 11, verse 13, here's a great verse that Jesus says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, notice this, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? 
The disciples were receiving the Holy Spirit to give them guidance for life. And in chapter 18, verse 1, it says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and hear and not lose heart. Not lose heart. Be persistent. Don't quit. You never know when your prayer is going to get answered. A guy by the name of George Mueller, who was really known as a prayer warrior back in his day, this is what he said. And Follow along as I read this. He said this, it is a common temptation of Satan to make us give up the reading of the word in prayer when our enjoyment is gone, as if it were of no use to read the scriptures when we do not enjoy them, and as if it were of no use to pray when we have no spirit of prayer. The truth is that in order to enjoy the word, we ought to continue to read it. And the way to obtain a spirit of prayer is to continue praying. The less we read the Word of God, the less we desire to read it. And the less we pray, the less we desire to pray. I think all of us can understand that. You can get in a dry time in your life and you say, man, I feel like my prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling. They're going nowhere. I'm getting nothing out of reading my Bible. We all have those dry times in our life. But what do we do? We just keep going. We just keep praying. We just keep reading God's Word. And God brings us back around and we start enjoying it again. Life has cycles of up and down. So we don't just quit and give it up. And then thirdly this, pray with believing. You probably remember this story in Acts chapter 12 where King Herod, the king, has killed James, the brother of John. And he saw that it pleased the people. So this is what he did. He goes and has Peter arrested. And you probably know the story. Peter's arrested and he's in prison and he's got all these soldiers around him. He's, he's chained to a couple of these soldiers and in the middle of the night, the angel of the Lord comes and wakes him up and says, put your sandals on. The chains fell off. Get your clothes on. And, we go, and they go out and they walk right out. They actually go out to the gate. The gate opens of itself, he says. And Peter just walks right out of the jail. Well, over in another part of the town, there was a group of Christians that were at someone's home, Mary's home, and they're praying. And part of their praying is, oh, Lord, please release Peter from prison. Please, please release Peter from prison. And so Peter walks up in the middle of the night, and they're in there having this prayer meeting, and Peter knocks on the door. And a young girl named Rhoda comes to the door, and I guess she might have said, who is it? And she recognized Peter's voice. She gets so excited because the prayer has been answered. She runs back in and said, you're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe it. Peter's at the door. Peter's at the door. And these people who are praying for Peter to be released, this is what their response was to her. You're out of your mind. You must be crazy. You're mad. It must be his ghost or his angel. There they are praying. They weren't praying with too much faith. Believe it, I don't think. Peter's at the door, and they finally go to the door and open it up, and they're like, whoa, she was right. He is here. This whole time they're pleading with God to answer their prayer, and then when it happens, their faith is about this big. So they weren't praying with faith believing. Now, before I get too critical on these, on these people, I have to say this. I've done the very same thing. I've prayed and prayed and prayed. And, you know, not really praying with too much faith, but I know I need to pray about this, so I'll just pray about it. And then God answers it, and I'm like, wow, I can't believe that. Are you sure? Yeah, I've done the same thing. I've done the same thing. So not only pray with faith believing, but then pray with passion. Pray with passion. Being persistent will bring passion. Jesus... If you read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John and follow his life and you see all the times he goes to pray, many times, most of the time he was praying by himself. But he was very passionate about praying. 
before his baptism, he prayed. Uh, he prayed before he called his disciples. It says in Matthew chapter 6, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles. apostles. Here he, we see Jesus is about to make some big decision. He's about to have twelve men follow him. And before he makes that decision, he goes and he prays all night about it. Just moments before his arrest in John chapter 17, he goes and he prays with his disciples. And then on the cross, Jesus prays. On the cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When he gave the disciples this model prayer, or we might say the Lord's Prayer, notice what the instructions was that he gave before he gave them the prayer. Here it is in Matthew chapter 6. Notice what he says. He says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. See, prayer is a matter of the heart. It's not the length of the prayer. It's a matter of the heart. And then pray with thanksgiving. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2, he said, continue steadfastly in prayer. And then he said, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So expressing thanksgiving to God is a great way to even start a prayer. Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for you dying on the cross and giving gratitude to God. It demonstrates our relationship with him. It shows our dependence on God and it shows our attitude. And it also shows our humility that we realize how great God is. And then I want to say this, pray making intercession. Verse 3, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. It's amazing here that Paul says, you know why I'm in prison? For the gospel. I'm in prison for the gospel. He didn't look at it like I'm being persecuted, they're beating me and all these bad things. He said, I'm in here for a great reason, and it's to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, so I want you to make intercessory prayer. I want you to pray for others that God will open a door that we can get this gospel to them and declare the mystery of Christ because that's why I'm here. You see, remember when Jesus told Peter that Peter would deny Jesus three times? In Luke chapter 22, it says this, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. Notice what he said. But I have what? I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you know me. He said, Peter, you're getting ready to deny me. Peter said, no, no way. No way. I'll, I'll go to death for you. He said, no, no. You're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows in the morning. And he says, but you know what, Peter? I've done one thing for you. I've prayed for you. He said, I'm giving intercessory prayer for you because I know what's going to happen and you need some strength. And I'm praying that God will give you some strength. So notice that Paul never says, can I be released from prison? He says, I want to declare Jesus Christ to those around me. 
When I was in Texas on a church staff there back in the 90s, there was a man on our staff. He's still there, he's still there now. His name is Dick Leach. Dick Leach actually was in the finance office, but he also was over the, we had a bus ministry, and he was over several things. But one thing I learned from him, and I saw him do all the time, was this. Everywhere he went, he had a little, little card he kept right here in his pocket. If you came up to him and started talking to him, and somewhere in your conversation there was a prayer request, he would, go, okay, he would pull out that card, pull the pen out, and he would just write it down. Pray for so-and-so's mother. Pray for, he would write it down, and he would have a list of things. He kept it in his pocket all the time. I never saw him without it. During the day, by himself, he would sit at his desk, and he would just pull that out, and he would start praying. He would go through that list to pray. He would do that several times. Listen, if you were on, that, if you were on the card that Dick Leach had in his pocket, you knew that that prayer was going to be prayed several times a day because he was going to do it. And I used to think, man, this guy is dedicated. And he was very dedicated about prayer. Someone said this, I asked for strength and God gave me... Uh, I, 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 let me get my glasses on here so I can read this right. He said, I asked for strength and God gave me difficulties to make me strong. I asked for wisdom and God gave me problems to solve. I asked for prosperity and God gave me brawn and brains to work. God's ways are higher. Sometimes I'm thinking, why are these problems coming in my life? Maybe it's to draw me closer to God and to put me on my knees to pray. Why are these things happening? I don't have an answer for this. Maybe it's so that my relationship and my prayer life will draw closer to God. Why does someone come up and tell me that prayer request so that I can remember it and literally pray for them? You know, I'm going to say this because I'm guilty of it. Many times somebody will tell us something and we say this. Okay, I'll be praying for you. I'll be praying for you. I'll be praying for you. And it just went here and went out here and we don't even remember what the prayer request was. That's not the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to truly mean if I, if I tell you I'm going to pray for you, I'm going to pray for that, then I'll, I'll literally do it. Maybe I'll stop right there and do it. But pray for the person. Pray for the situation. Prayer deepens our burden. If I'm praying for your relative, it deepens my burden for what's happening with your family and your relative. It deepens our burden. It gives us patience to wait because I know that God is in control. Prayer opens our spiritual eyes. Prayer makes God's will our will. And then prayer moves us forward spiritually. Someone who spends a lot of time in prayer I believe is going to walk pretty close to God because they're going to have that heart that's saying, God, I'm in tune with you. God, I want your will. Someone that prays intercessory for others is going to have a burden and a, and a, and a love for other people in this world. If you're praying 14 years for someone to be saved, you tell me how much you love that person. You don't want that person to die and go to hell. And you prayed 14 years for them to be saved. You see, it deepens our burden for people. It deepens our love for Jesus Christ. Prayer is something that we all know about and we've all done and it's just part of the Christian life and yet it's so important. And Jesus himself put a great emphasis. Jesus being God prayed to the Father. He showed such a great emphasis and he taught his disciples how to pray. And yet many times we go through life and we only pray Casually. We only pray seldom. We only pray when it's an emergency and I really need it now. When really prayer is a, is a lifestyle. 
You can pray to God driving your car down the road. Don't close your eyes and bow your head, but you can pray as you're driving your car down your road. You can pray a, 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 a time, this is just for me, a time that I speak to God a lot is when I'm riding my lawnmower mowing my grass. It's a great time. Just me and the lawnmower that's loud in God, you know. I don't know what it is with you, but God has times. He just wants to spend, just spend time with God and talk with Him and, and seek His will for your life and pray for others. And your burden will grow for God and your burden will grow for others and our lives will be changed. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. Dear Lord, I know I've spoken on something this morning that we all know about. I probably just repeated things we've all heard before. But God, I pray for our church. I pray, Lord, you would make us people that love you. Make us people that do intercessory prayer for each other because we care about each other. We truly say we're going to pray about it, and we do, because we care. God, you've given us such a great gift that we can talk to you personally and bring things to you personally. Oh, God, I, I pray, Lord, that you will help us, Lord, to be people of prayer. And God, help us to take it serious. And God, I pray that you would deepen our burden and deepen our love for you and our love for other people. Help us to love people just like you did. Help us to love the Father just like you did. And so, God, I pray you'll help us even as we go out this week, Lord, that we will live a life of prayer every day. That we'll pray about big things, small things. Some things that are small to me might be really big to someone else in their life. But help us to be someone that can be counted on to pray. God, we don't know everyone in our church and their situation, but God, you do. And so, Lord, help us to be people that pray for each other and help us to love each other. Now, God, bless us as we go out this week. Bless us as we live our lives and help us to take the opportunities to pray for others. Help it to be a daily thing that we just have the attitude of prayer everywhere we go. So, Lord, we, we're needy people and we need this in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.